Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. I'm tripping over my words today. Woo, it's been it's been a day. But uh, look, I'm so glad to be here. I hope you're doing well. Hey, if you ever have a question or a prayer request, you can always email me, Clark at EnduringPromise.org. We have a Facebook page, KJV Cafe. You can look us up there. We have a YouTube channel. You just search KJV Cafe. Um, but yeah, if you ever need anything, please, by all means, reach out. I love to hear from our listeners and it, it, it's a blessing. So if you, yeah, I just threw that out there. I guess I don't mention that enough. We used to have it in our introduction or before the, when we were on the actual radio, um, instead of just podcasting because they, I think required like contact information or something, but I don't know that we do anymore. So that's why I want to mention it. All right. Enough of the introduction. We're hopping right into Genesis three. Verse one, man, this verse could be preached. I honestly, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating years. You could spend years preaching on this verse. Uh, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Question mark. Okay. That's um, Genesis 3, 1. Yes, yeah, sometimes I'll say the word question mark. Because in homeschool, I'm teaching the kids about punctuation and they'll do it. They'll say, they'll read a sentence and they'll say, period or question mark. So, okay. But uh, I did that because you can't see the verse if you don't have your Bible open. Maybe you do. Hopefully you do. But if not, there you go. A little extra for you. So Genesis 3.1, we're moving right from, as we spoke about last uh, episode, being ashamed, uh, not being ashamed in the garden. Everything is perfect. God has just done everything that man needs. Man has a companion now in Eve. Man has fruit abundant, man has a job, like everything is perfect. And then here comes the serpent. And many theologians have asked the question, at what time did the serpent come? Like, you know, was it a thousand years a day? Some people say it was the same day. And like the same day, it all happened. Other people say it was a long time. I don't know. I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if man fell into sin quite quickly. Uh, because we're prone to do that. And we're prone to do that oftentimes because of the devil in our lives, the temptation in our lives. It's not just the devil, but also the flesh. And so we see here this definition of subtle, and I won't go through all the definitions. I mean, you kind of know, I'm sure you probably know what subtle means, but if you look at the, the definition of subtle, making use of clever and indirect methods to achieve something. I think that's one of the best ones for this type of verse. We see the devil up to his old tricks here, trying to trick, beguile Adam and Eve to eat the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat and to then enter, have sin enter into the picture, uh, unfortunately, for the rest of mankind to inherit. Like if you see a child that's living in sin, they didn't just wake up and say, I think I'll sin today. They inherited that sin from the curse, which started right here in Genesis 3. So when we come back from the break, we're going to get into how this tempter can tempt you and how you can fight this tempter and how Jesus addresses what the devil does in the New Testament. Hang in there. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Amen. All right. Jumping right back in here to Genesis 3.1. We see the subtle devil come in and starts tempting, right? He says, Oh, had said the, unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see, he tried a more subtle approach, didn't he? He went for not knocking them over the head, not forcing them, but just questioning, right? I think of a teenager who's like under peer pressure and, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, uh, you know, whatever, whatever bad thing a teenager wants them to do, you know? Oh, did your parents really say you can't do that? Oh, would you really get grounded? And they're like, oh, well, maybe there's a technicality there. Maybe I'll give it a try, right? That's the kind of subtle pressure there because the temptation looks good. Matthew 13, 1 through 9 tells us uh, a parable, and I'm just going to read it here, and I'm going to read a little bit later in 18 and 19 in Matthew 13. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into his ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And sower obviously be someone that's planting seeds. Okay, verse 4. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Of course, when we know that when Jesus says, who hath ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus is saying, listen up. This is incredibly important. And the disciples were like, Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? And he said, well, to fulfill the prophecy that I would come and they wouldn't hear. And so I'm speaking in parables. But then in verse 18 and 19, he breaks it down for the disciples. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is what he, this is he which received the seed by the wayside. Okay. And so we see here that, that this, and Jesus goes on to help paraphrase the rest of the parable, but for time's sake, we're focusing on this one here, that you know what? The one that received it by the wayside, okay? And we see here, uh, uh, behold, a sower went forth to sow, he sowed some seeds, they fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. That's verse 4 of Matthew 13. And then Jesus explains that in the same chapter, Matthew 13, uh, in verse 19. Okay. And so that bird, okay. Some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds, the fowls came and devoured them up. Okay. So when the seed is sown, some that receive them, this message, right. And what happens? They don't understand it. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, they don't understand it. Okay. That's very important because think about people that are sowing a seed and they are not maybe being clear enough, deep enough, scriptural enough, right? I mean, think about how many churches today are just like, 
Yeah, you know, okay, we've got a bathtub in the parking lot. Now all you have to do is claim Jesus. Okay, you claimed him. Let's go give you a dunk. Man, that's not enough. You have to understand, like, you have to understand God's gospel and believe it, right? You have to understand what happened in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and on the third day he was risen according to the scriptures. And by him dying for our sins, he provided a substitutionary death, right? Because he was sinless and perfect, born of a virgin, never sinned, 33 and a half years. So by him dying for our sins... He is then going to the cross, not because he did anything wrong and not because he couldn't stop his attackers. He could, in the blink of an eye, wipe them all out. But he obediently allows himself to be humiliated and beaten like no man ever had. He he, he was unrecognizable, the Bible says. And he dies on that cross and is buried three days and resurrected from the grave for your sins and for my sins. And when we call out to God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, Lord, I recognize my sin. I recognize that verse there in Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I recognize I am a sinner. You know, I sat in a church house, preacher got up there and started preaching on sin. I looked around and said, there must be some really bad people in here because I know he's not talking to me. (laughs) Took a while, okay? I'm hard-headed, I'm stubborn. It took a while. And then I said, no, no, that is me. No, I am a sinner. No, like I literally go down the 10 commandments. I've probably violated nearly all of them right? I am a fallen creature. The, and again, the, the Bible or theological term would be like depraved, right? And I need a savior. And that savior is Jesus. And when he goes to the cross and dies for my sins, and, I, and that's already been done, right? It's already happened, okay? That's the whole idea of being victorious. Like it's victory's already occurred. He's got victory over death. All I have to do now is accept Christ as my savior. I have to appropriate that. Okay. I have to say, Jesus, you did it. And I accept it. Right. Most people say, I'm not sure what Jesus did. And I'm not sure I want to accept it. Well, that's not enough. Now, God doesn't want us to do anything but believe. It's all predicated simply on faith. It's by faith alone. That is, the, that is like the number one thing as Christians to understand that we simply have to believe. And that's throughout the Bible, especially Hebrews 11 gives us a picture of faith. Faith is how we're justified. So we're justified by God simply by believing in what Christ did on the cross at Calvary. And once we believe on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and God knows who really believes and who's playing church. God knows the difference. When you really believe, okay, you're saved. Let's say a man goes to church and he goes up, he says, I really believe. And let's say he never went before and he never went after, but he really believed. That man's in heaven. Let's say there's someone that goes to church their whole life. Let's say they're even involved in other ministries there. They're volunteer, they're helpful. They're friends with everybody, but they don't really believe. That person is headed for hell. But their works are so great, but their status is great. But what they have money or whatever else, they have education. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Belief is all that matters. That is the beautiful, beautiful good news of the gospel that anyone anywhere can believe on Jesus Christ simply by believing. And here's that devil coming up saying, just like the seeds by the wayside. Nah, you don't, you don't really believe that. Now, if you believe that, you're going to have to change your whole life for what? For something that apparently happened so long ago? Man, go pick up this book. Go walk to this documentary. Documentary. Go talk to this professor. Go hang out with this worldly group. You'll see it's all whatever. 
You know, don't, don't get involved in that. That's what the devil does. That's what Jesus himself says the devil does in Matthew 13. He says, verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. The wicked one comes to catch away that seed that was sown in the heart. He is, man, let me tell you what, how many times, and many people in the ministry could back this up. You're in the bus ministry, you're soul winning door to door. You have somebody flirting with the idea of going to church. Someone goes to church, they're under conviction. And the phone rings, the, the ambulance siren, you know, the fire alarm goes off, the ambulance drives by. I mean, we had a witnessing, we had a home church for some years, and we had a witnessing to our fa- some, a family. And it was like every, I mean, literally people walking out in the middle of the service, babies crying, things going on. That's, that's, the, that's the bird taking the seed by the wayside, amen. Now that is frustrating, but that's also biblical. And remember, we talked about last uh, episode, God is sovereign over all. And why God, God is sovereign over all is that he knows the heart of man. And he says, look, if you'll, I'll provide you the witness if you'll simply believe. I'll give you the witness. I'll give you a gospel track. I'll give you, I mean, I can remember not that many times. I grew up in New York outside the city in a very worldly environment. There were churches there, but let me leave it at that, Okay. I'm sure I know they're Bible-believing Christians. Our church that we go to now supports a ministry, uh, a missionary in the Bronx. I know that they're Bible-believing Christians all over the world, including New York City. But growing up there, I didn't have a lot of witnesses. But I remember a young man witnessed to me uh, when I was very young, um, say college age, about that age. And I'll never forget him talking to me because everything in me wanted to reject it. And yet he was talking to me and there was a little like billboard above his head and the word, the name Jesus came across as he was witnessing to me. And this was a secular school and I just couldn't, I said, wow. And I still, I didn't want to believe. I didn't want to give up that sinful lifestyle, but God sent a witness and thank God he wasn't done with me. And thank God he, he broke me to the point where I finally really gave everything to him and truly believed on him and by faith have walked with him since over a decade now. Thank God for that. But we're going to get back to the subtlety of the serpent here in the next episode because I've got more for you. I thank you so much for listening today. Tune in next time. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at Clark at EnduringPromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.